Hi! We're here! Back at it again in a totally different time and place and location. Welcome yeah. to Sidewalk Slam. Hello. My name is Graham. I'm here with Adam. Hi. That's me. And Beach is also here. Mm-hmm. On the tech desk, as it were. It yes. Is yes. You're space. Listening. Yeah, you're just chilling. This is actually like... This is a good setup for you, right? You're just hanging out. Right? I don't you, have to take to responsibility. Every, yeah, you don't have to do anything. You're just laughing and asking questions. Yeah. I'm the Robin, whatever her name was, on the Howard Stern show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's you. That's, yeah. It's a specific reference. That's mm-hmm. very specific. Going back yeah. in time, I'm old. <laughs> Today, we're going to be looking at AEW Revolution 2021. This is the first time we've done a full episode, really. No, we did an episode about full gear, I think. But this is this is we we don't talk about AEW as much just because you know, like I mean, much like WWE, we just don't watch a lot of wrestling at the moment. But uh Revolution looked like it was gonna be pretty interesting in advance and we talked about like hey maybe we should watch this and like i don't know talk about it a little bit and we figured yeah we could probably do that and but we're not going to be going super deep into you know match by match play by play generally just two matches that we're going to go a little deeper on but we just wanted to sort of talk about revolution from sort of a broad strokes and looking at AEW and you know the unavoidable AEW versus WWE sort of in how different things are presented mm-hmm. and this ended up being you know after the fact it be, ended up being even more relevant to talk about um, not only because of how the thing ended and we'll talk about <laughs> that when we get there yeah. but because I was seeing a lot of people say <laughs> it's so annoying when they don't complete their sentences because I was seeing the results that this was the highest grossing non WWE pay-per-view since 1999. Really? Yeah. And that's where the sentence ends. So I had to go figure out mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened in 1999, right? Like I, I keep seeing people say it's the highest grossing non WWE pay-per-view since 1999. And I was like, cool. Was it the so, UFC one? What was the one in 1999? No, no, uh, professional wrestling. Oh, I see. It's a pro yeah. wrestling 99. Yeah, yeah. Non WWE. Yeah. Oh, just wait. What was happening in 99? It would have been an ECW pay per view. It had to have been. That was when ECW was on its last legs. So I thought that might be the case too, but it yeah. was actually a WCW pay per view. No way. Yeah. Huh. It was, was it- WCW's third most profitable pay-per-view of all time mm-hmm. but it was the so this was on the down on the downslide for them mm-hmm. but it was still the highest one in uh in 1999 it was super brawl nine i gotta look up what was on this card because i think th- this was probably like the nwo like the wolf pack era right i think it was uh yeah yeah this yeah. is goldberg right this is peak goldberg this should have been like yes, but then not the main event. I'll just I'll just run down the card for you real okay. quick. Yeah. Booker T defeats Disco Inferno. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Jericho, <laughs> interestingly, mm-hmm. <laughs> defeats Perry Saturn with Ralphus. 
with oh, Ralphus. Ralphus yeah. was great. B- you would have loved with Ralphus. Ralphus. Yeah. Uh, Billy Kidman defeats Chavo Guerrero. Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham defeat Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko mm-hmm. in a two to three falls match for the tag team championship. Uh, the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, defeating Conan and Rey Mysterio in a hair versus mask match. So this is when <laughs> Rey Mysterio got unmasked. Oh, WCW. yeah. yeah. Scott Steiner defe- defeated Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, Scott Hall, who we saw earlier, defeated Roddy Piper for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. Goldberg defeated Bam Bam Bigelow. And your main event, Hollywood Hogan defeated Ric Flair hmm. for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. It doesn't look like anything special, right? Like you're just uh, looking at the Hogan card versus like, Flair for the title. I guess, but the, in '99, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I heard, yeah. this was Hollywood Hogan, right? So yeah. it was actually kind of interesting. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> also, little note here: Hollywood Hogan pinned Ric Flair after David Flair turned heel and used a stun gun on his own father, nice. joining the NWO elite in the process. Mm. Wrestling wrestling good good storytelling i i don't know <laughs> i couldn't tell you man okay no, i have no idea live from jack mostly live we'll mm-hmm. get to that from jacksonville florida at daily's place with an attendance of 1300 mm-hmm. who were all i will say that i will i'm not gonna i'm gonna have the same criticisms that i had with the wwe show in that um I know that they're they're not piping in their noise, right? No. But when you plant the front rows with a bunch of wrestlers, you're going to get the reactions that you want people to hear, right? It's the same thing. That's true. It's it's the same thing done in a different way. It, it, this feels a little bit more organic because there are people in the crowd. Yeah. You know, it like definitely the, feels way more yeah. um, earned. <laughs> but there are like I do have minor the same minor nitpicks where it's like they can kind of control the narrative a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, they can influence it. But overall, like, I, I don't know. I loved this show. I thought it was great. The ending was my kind of, I will get to it, but man, <laughs> yeah. the ending was my kind of horse shit. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm excited. It's like, Oh, did Adam, <laughs> did Adam book? This is what you should be. <laughs> is, oh boy. Okay. The, the people in attendance, by the way, mm-hmm. are, um, masked and seated, separated by, bubble and tested and you know they're they're, i don't know i had a random thought i don't know if this has been answered but this has nothing to do with wrestling okay but are we gonna get to a point in our society where we have to like show a card that we've been vaccinated like an id i don't know there's been talk of vaccination passports as as a means of of stating to people that it's like I can confirm that I have my shots mm-hmm. because you are like, as a child, you get those right to be like, yeah. I got my boosters. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And it's like, I, I think it's a good idea. And I know a lot of people are like, Oh, but my, my freedoms. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know your freedoms, but also our general health. Yeah. I just, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that when I was watching this, I was like, I wonder if we're going to get to the point where like when things start opening up again, right. In like a year. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have to all go to a, like an arena. Do we have to like have our, government issue id and also our vaccination id right like it's like do we have to show two pieces like i don't know i just i have no idea what a weird time to be alive i mean you say a year you know vince is like 
Mania. <laughs> no, please, like, God. Vince. WWE <laughs> is planning on having 40,000 people in the... No, they're like, not. Yeah. I don't know how. how? Okay. But I don't know how. <laughs> if there's one thing I know about Vince is that is that he you can sum up his entire being being by just saying mania. Yeah. <laughs> mania. You know they're gonna you know they're gonna be like highest ever attendance at a live event during COVID or yeah. something. They're gonna just like <laughs> and yeah. other people are gonna be like, that's not that's not the cool we're bragging set, thing you think. Setting it records be. in this post COVID environment. Yeah. Uh, Oh man, I can't wait to hear Michael Cole say that. Awesome. Welcome to the hellscape. Buy a t shirt. <laughs> Make sure you spend your money. You got $1,400, didn't you? Oh. Yeah. Everybody buy a t shirt. The t shirts are $1,300. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like, I haven't been watching any AEW before this. Right. Like going mm-hmm. into this pay-per-view, my thought was I'm just going to try to enjoy it as like the wrestling show. And I enjoy AEW's style of show. Yeah. I guess like a lot of people are very critical of AEW, of like their booking, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like, I don't know. It just speaks to me like what I want out of wrestling. Right. Like it's got kind of everything. Yeah. It feels like a little bit of a mess sometimes where it's like, is this a funny thing or is this a thing where it's supposed to be dramatic or like it's both, I guess, but they make an awful lot of content as well. And it's, it's, I mean, it's impressive, right? Like Mm -hmm. thankfully they've stopped doing like storyline critical stuff on being the elite, which is sort of a, uh, sort of a, a vlog series kind of Mm -hmm. sort of like, it's like backstage mostly in character, but also really winky to the audience like kind the of yeah it's a little yeah. weird yeah like it's it's funny but you know like thankfully like they stopped directly at camera you know yeah and <laughs> yeah. again thankfully they stopped doing like actual storyline relevant stuff on being the elite which they did when they started aew but there's there's that there's aew dark which is dark matches they just added aew dark elevation mm-hmm. which is a different show that currently seems identical to dark they haven't yet sort of fundamentally differentiated them in 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 useful ways and those are both totally free on their youtube channel yeah um so there's just a lot of good wrestling out there this is starting to sound more and more like us (laughs) yeah way too much content (laughs) release it for free on their youtube channel what the shit graham hope it all works are you doing these bookings (laughs) oh beach is out swinging oh my goodness i love it i mean it it definitely sounds like the kind of stuff i would do if i was tony khan where i was like hang on we're all gonna be there let's record the dark matches because it'll only take a few minutes put that up on youtube for free like it totally makes sense right i've heard this pitch from graham yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) while we're all here let's just yeah Oh man! Save time, you know. Yeah. We've already got everything set up. Yeah. Difference is he's a billionaire, so you know, it must be nice. <laughs> that must be nice. Yeah, must be nice. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm, I'm, I, I would say I'm more believable as an on-camera persona, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I give you that much. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the show is they, they don't have to or uh, to to be clear, AEW doesn't necessarily have a WrestleMania analog 
they have four pay-per-views a year, which is which all is awesome. in oh my double God. or nothing. Yeah, no, it's great. It's double or nothing, all in, full gear, and revolution. I would say revolution is the closest to their WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Like this, I is- would say. Well, I mean, like if I'm looking at it from my point of view, I think it's. I keep cutting you off. Um, I think all in is more. It just feels bigger. I don't know. That's fair. Maybe it's just the name, but yeah. Is it? Just do you say that just this one? Yeah. Do you think it's just the time of year too? It's like this is their January kind of February paper. Yeah, the time of year, the 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 card. I think mm-hmm. is a big part of it too. It just felt like a big show. Yeah. What was weird to me, and I don't know if this was maybe someone who watched it on. Um, fight tv in the u.s can can confirm but what was weird to me watching in canada on bleacher report which is how we have to watch it oh, is I watched that it on fight in canada oh okay yeah there was no opening video no they just like it was like, like it a just, cold start just cold start right into shots of the arena with like well it's revolution everybody welcome hi i'm jim ross and it's like what the hell <laughs> like yeah i felt very it's the same thing with um again with um I watched the first episode of Dark Elevation with Tony Schiavone and Paul White, formerly known as The Big Show, mm-hmm. on commentary. Honestly, he did a great job. And it just, again, it just like, you go to their YouTube channel and you press play and there isn't even, like Dark at least has like a one second splash card of like, A.W. Dark. And this it was just like, in, just like. Oh, someone like make no graphics like, or nothing. Like nothing. People just someone it to YouTube and they're just like, I don't know. Yeah, someone make <laughs> someone starts making their entrance and they're like, "Hey, it's AW Dark. What's up? I'm Tony Schiavone." I'm like, "What the hell? Like a little, <laughs> a little bit of spectacle, please, <laughs> please. I'm begging you, please." Because I watched. I was like, "Did I miss something? Was it at the end of the pre-show?" And I watched the pre-show and there was some well-edited, like good video packages on the pre-show, but there was no like. It's time for AEW Revolution. You know, there was no like hype reel at the start of the show, which felt very strange to me. I would agree. That's it was a very weird way to start a pay-per-view, right? Yeah. It almost looked like like I think their production quality is really good, but it just felt very like amateurish. I don't know. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's I don't want to say it like it's like a mega negative thing. It just came off as like oh like the graphics oh. package hasn't arrived yet. Yeah. Like they were just <laughs> like it almost came off like they weren't ready for their pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Oh crap. It's like, Oh, we got to start. Oh no. Yeah. They like looked at the time. We're like, well, what about the package? They're like, no, 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 no. We'll do it later. (laughs) We'll put it on YouTube or something. I don't know, man. We'll have a contest and let the fans fill it in. (laughs) Now you're thinking like a true carny. Let's go. Dude, somebody had a sign today that was like, never trust a carny or something. (laughs) I was like, that's weird. All right. Yeah. On the pre-show, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Mm-hmm. Beej, have we talked about Dr. Britt Baker before? No. So she's a <laughs> she's a dentist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and is insistent on being referred to as Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, which is how you can tell she's a heel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. It's like, I'm a doctor. Oh, okay. Yes. And you must call me a doctor with the DMD on the end of it because I went to dental school. And it's like, ah, I can see that you are mm-hmm. intended to be a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fuck it was, dentists. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was her and Maki Ito uh, versus Riho and Thunder Rosa. And mm-hmm. so Riho, we, I think we talked about before yes. on an older episode. She was the first AEW women's champion. She's absolutely tiny and... Mm-hmm 
awesome. Thunder Rosa, we had seen on some episodes of NWA Power. And I think she is just very excited for that contract to be up so that she can join AEW full time. Mm-hmm. And Maki Ito, Bead, you'll love this. So she is the, um, uh, well, God, what's the nickname? The Fired Idol. I so, can kind of putting this idea together, what she's like. Okay. So she, she's a Japanese wrestler. Uh-huh. She was in the K-pop group Link L-I-N-Q. Okay. And which is one of the like it's one of those huge groups that like people graduate out of to like different subgroups. Yes. Kind of thing. Right. Probably like also a, the name of a PEA made by Samsung, sure. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. And um so she was she was with them from 2012 through to 2017. So she was with them for a while. And then like some Japanese talento show did like a like like top 10 celebrities with unfortunate faces or something. Oh my god. Yeah, cuz she has like a large face, I guess. And so they <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> I'm Hold on. I'm just I'm just reporting the facts. Yeah. <laughs> her, her face is so big. <laughs> I want to see that on a poster. So she was fired from the K-pop group (laughs) for having too big of a face. Yeah, I guess in kayfabe or like really fired, like for real life. (laughs) She was actually so before that though she had they had done like cross promotion work with some Japanese wrestling stuff, and so after leaving the the k-pop group she started doing wrestling so she's only been in wrestling for four years but like her gimmick is that she was a was a j-pop idol yeah and now she's a now she's a wrestler and she uses she uses headbutts a lot because of her enormous face good it's maki ito yeah you're right i I didn't watch the pre-show so i'm looking oh dude maki ito she so she was in the they they had a tournament for the number one contender for the AEW women's title yeah and half of the bracket was in north america and half of the bracket was totally in japan Mm -hmm. and maki ito got herself so over mostly on social media that they brought this was a big surprise that they actually brought her to the states to make a surprise appearance at revolution and then she was on the following episode of Dynamite, and she and Riho main evented the first episode of Dark Elevation, because uh, it's they basically brought her in for two weeks, got her on as much AEW TV as they could before mm-hmm. before she had to go home again. But like her thing is being uh, absolutely um, uh, vulgar on yeah. social All media. Her so like are her just giving the finger. Like, yeah. Like, well, when she announced <laughs> when it was announced that she was going to be in the tag team tournament, you know. Like she just retweeted the AEW thing with in all caps. What's up, motherfuckers? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. It's and rare like, the Japanese talent just get to be their true selves. Yeah, oh, it's great. But I like, want to feel like this is exactly how every talent, like in Japan, yeah. wants to just treat everybody. Notable joy vacuum. Jim Cornette. Got, oh God. Got yeah. like pissy about her on social media and she just did she get him just eviscerated this man good fucking yeah she you know she responded with a picture of her from uh it was a picture of her like 
implied nude, but sort of covered in chocolate from a promotional poster for a show for like for a wrestling show in Japan from a couple of years ago and just responded like in all caps, like I am the God of shit and piss. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's just nothing that he, that you can, how do you even say, well, what do you, what do you even say, to, say that? to that? Yeah. yeah. What, I have no idea, man. I don't think there is a single comeback for that. You're, you were done. You're done, done, done. You're yeah. right. I can't she's, breathe. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> she's you, even co-opted his like his like thank you, fuck you, bye or whatever. So like when she, you know, she's like, you know, American friends, I have to return to Japan. I hope I will see you again soon. Thank you, fuck you all. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man, that's good. I don't know. She's what, great. Yeah. Yeah. So there's you're the telling next time I'm in an argument with any of you, I just want you to be like, I am the king or queen of shit and piss, and I'm like. Right, you got me. So what you're telling me is there's uh, there's about a thousand uh, signs being printed that are just uh, uh, Makito step on me right now. God, Mm -hmm. I mean probably. Yeah, I mean she's only five three, so I don't think it quite (laughs) quite tracks with that. But yeah, man, that's wild. I (laughs) I've seen the picture. I can see. I see the picture now of her that she would have said that to you i'm like that's a good picture man like yeah i am deity i am deity of shit yeah that is what she said i'm looking at the tweet right now that's actually hilarious (laughs) oh that's great god bless fucking god bless wrestling So anyway, that was on the that was on the pre-show. I just wanted to mention it because I I couldn't not mention Maki Ito because people mm-hmm. have been just loving her and her general energy. Um, like I said, we're we're mostly going to be talking about just a couple of the different things. This is not going to be a like a full dive on the whole show because frankly, we don't know enough about the storylines and stuff that are leading to all of this. Um, like we watched the show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and you said you enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed it as well. You know, it's just, it's just good, honest wrestling. Like it was just like, yeah, this is professional wrestling. I enjoy this. I, you know, there's, there's enough, there's enough story being told in the matches that you can sort of get invested as it goes, which is nice. So the first match on the actual card again, cause it just, we just start right into it was the young bucks who are the AEW world tag team champions, uh, defending against the inner circle specifically Chris Jericho and MJF Maxwell Jacob Friedman with uh Wardlow as their sort of muscle outside the ring Wardlow yeah. is an, an enormous human yeah Wardlow's huge he's billed at six foot three and I'm six foot three but he looks so much bigger than me <laughs> maybe, maybe they underbuild him <laughs> that why would you ever do that I think he's just like 6'3", like, but he's a cube, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't have that going for me. Yeah. He's he's not even like the biggest, like, wide man on the show. <laughs> like, there's some absolutely enormous dudes on this on this program. That is a position you can play in, in wrestling, right? You can play wide man? Wide yeah, man, wide yeah. Man. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's like I'm just picturing like the, the like an old Nintendo wrestling game, and it's just like wide man, and it's like... He's flexing. It's like, oh, I picked wide man. Yeah. 
It's like the old like pro. I'm just thinking of like there's an old like the one of the original wrestling games on Nintendo was called like Pro Wrestling. Yeah, basically, yeah. I remember there was Starman. There was the yep. one guy he's just dressed in pink and he had a star on his face, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Yep, this is Starman." You're like, "Ah, oh, hell, I'll let you pick again if you want." No, it's fine. We'll just... <laughs> yeah, that's okay. The Starman had the cool little flip. He did like a he flip did. kick. Yeah, <laughs> was he like, was a lucha of some sort, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, that was his whole thing. He's yeah. doing a lucha thing. What a great um, thing that AEW has a tag team division that they actually give a shit about. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? It's there's so many there's so many teams mm-hmm. and they're all like distinct and generally speaking pretty good and they actually care about the tag division but they also can have people from the tag teams do stuff solo without splitting the teams up and it's just like when you compare this again do a direct comparison to WWE who just like doesn't seem to know what to do with the notion of tag teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this is so refreshing. If, like they have a, they have a tag team match here and then there's a tag team, essentially Royal rumble. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's so many teams. Yeah. That's like, I keep thinking about like, every time I see the young box, I'm like, man, imagine if they had, Remember when they were all leaving New Japan before AEW formed? And then there was like talk of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega going to WWE. Mm-hmm. And like the Young Bucks, if they had done that, I don't think the Young Bucks would be a tag team still. No. Right? They would have broken them up already. Oh, yeah. Which is wild to me. Yeah. And I know that there's an amount, there's some amount of like, ah, oh, well, you know, like they're overrated or whatever. But I watching this match, it's like, no, they're not. They're no, just they're really not. good. They're, just, they're good. just really, really good yeah. at, at specifically tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen singles matches with them that are also very good, but like there's just, there's stuff that they do as a team. There's it's different wrestling. Tag yeah. team wrestling has a lot going on that you just don't get to see in WWE. Cause they just have their, tag matches follow a formula and they have their people generally speaking wrestle as like just singles competitors who then trade out and wrestle as different singles competitors yeah yeah this was a this was a very good match apparently Um, like jericho and mjf have been doing some really good stuff as far as like because i could i can i didn't see any of it but like i know that the storyline building up to this was mjf kind of like getting into the inner circle and mm -hmm. then kind of being under taken under jericho's wing as like this little heel right yeah is like the the future of wrestling. Um, I didn't see any of it, but I've just heard it's very. It was very good. I saw the fallout on. So the the young bucks retain. They they win this match, and then I saw the fallout on Dynamite. I watched the Dynamite after this episode of mm-hmm. or after after Revolution, and that was interesting because um, Sammy Guevara from the Inner Circle who had left a couple weeks ago uh, as part of a storyline. He'd sort of left the inner circle. They did this cool thing where um, uh, I I don't know who came up with this idea originally. I, I recall it being from the TNA impact days. I don't know if WCW ever did this. Maybe you can fill me in on this, Adam, but they have, they have two entrance ramps uh, at AEW. And it's like not a little bit subtle that all the good guys come out of one ramp and the bad guys come out of the other ramp. Yeah. Like they do have like face versus heel entrance ramps. Yeah. And they did this thing on an episode of Dynamite where Sammy Guevara like 
basically was like, no, I, you know what? I don't want to be in the inner circle anymore. That's it. I'm done. I'm leaving. And he walks up to the entrance ramps and pauses for a second and then exits via the good guy ramp. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, and it's amazing that you can just like, you can tell a little <laughs> bit of story just by how someone leaves the room. Right. Yeah. So on the dynamite after this, Sammy returned and then the inner circle all turned on MJF because he's been like trying to sow the seeds of discord or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. like groveling in the corner of the ring while they're threatening to beat him up. And he's like, he's like, no, Chris, 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 I was never trying to take over the inner circle. I was never trying to take over your group because I've been too busy making my own. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's uh, Wardlow is on his. It, it's uh, God. Who was it? It was Wardlow, Sean Spears. Yeah. Tully formerly Austin, um, not Austin. No, formerly Ty Dillinger, Ty Dillinger, yeah. 10 and, um, FTR, yeah. uh, formerly the revival. So yeah, then they all had a big fight. So it's like, I can't tell who's meant. I don't, I don't, I don't know who you're meant to cheer in this, if it's the inner circle or MJF's team, but apparently, I you know, so we've cheer got the inner circle. I, would I think so. Yeah. Because so. like MJF is just, MJF is a career heel. Oh yeah. Yeah. But he just operates on like he's reached that level of heel that's like very rare. I mean, I don't need to say this out loud, but I will anyway. And it's just like he's reached another level. Like he's transcended being like a normal heel where we'll boo him no matter what. Mm-hmm. But we still love him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just like he's kind of like I think he's I always think whenever I look at MJF, I'm like, that's what the Miz would be if the Miz was allowed to do whatever Miz wanted, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's like that same style of heel, but just there's less production gone into. They're they're less like handholdy, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? What I would assume what the WWE would do, like their writers. Like what Mm -hmm. they do with the Miz, they're just like, you have to do this and this is what we want you to say and blah, blah, blah. And then with like MJF, they're like, uh you go out there and I don't know if that's true, but that's just the way it comes across. Yeah. I think, I think that's reasonable. Yeah. So the next match on the card was the casino tag team Royale, which is part of what sold me on watching this. Oh, sorry. There was actually, there's one moment where I wanted to remember that MJF and Jericho during that match went to go suplex one of the young bucks. And then they, boy, they were holding him up in the air. They both gave the finger to the crowd, which I thought was really funny. I was like, that's good. Yeah. So the next match was the Casino Tag Team Royale, which is honestly one of the reasons that I was like, oh, maybe I should really watch this because it's basically it's a Royal Rumble for tag teams, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the way that it works is two tag teams start in the ring. Every 90 seconds, another tag team of two men will come down to the ring. A team is only eliminated when both members of the team are eliminated. Yep. And whichever person or team is the last one standing wins a future tag team title shot. Can I ask for clarification? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that you say two teams start in the ring? Mm-hmm. That's not a tag team match. Two, uh, one member of each team starts in the ring and their, and their partners start on the apron. Oh, no, this is just a big schmoz. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Because I literally thought it was going to be 
the way I said it is that one one person remains on the apron, and then as the other team comes down, one has to get in the ring, and the other one remains in the apron, <laughs> and they amazing. all have to like take a corner, yeah, and just like everyone just starts trying to get a hold of the tag rope so they can be the one to tag in with their partner. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it'd be entertaining in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. really difficult to keep track of. Oh, yeah. Impossible to keep track of it, but I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. But they had so many teams. Let me just run down the teams very quickly. Uh, the natural nightmares, mm-hmm. which is Dustin Rhodes, AKA gold dust and QT Marshall. Uh, the, so the dark order actually had three different teams. Yeah. In this thing, because the Dark Order is, they're huge. They're a cult, right? So it was the, a team of uh, five and ten, which they're numbered, these two. It's Allen, five angels, and Preston, ten, Vance. Mm-hmm. Um, Evil Uno, is, or number one, and Stu Grayson, and then Alex Reynolds and John Silver. So several different teams of them. The Inner Circle, Santana and Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Seidel brothers, Matt Seidel and Mike Seidel. Matt Seidel, formerly known in WWE as Evan Bourne. Evan Bourne, yeah. Evan Airborne. The Gun Club, mm-hmm. which is Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn, who are both in real life the sons of Billy Gunn and who both look like a failed cloning attempt yes. to clone Billy Gunn. Gonna, you stole the joke right out of my pocket again. Damn it. No, please. God. Uh, I was waiting. I was waiting. They do though, right? They do. Yeah. They're like, oh, that one didn't turn out right. Make another one. And then they're like, oh no, that one looks off too. Okay. We'll throw them in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Throw them both. We're shutting down this. Kojima-san, we're shutting down this project. Yeah, that's uh, man, that's <sighs> funny. Yeah, they're they both, they're like they're just like when you look at it, you're like, is that? It's kind of like if I walked by them, I'm like, is that Billy? Gu-? Oh no, it just kind of looks like them. Like you know what I mean? Like because they didn't yeah. get their names right away, so when they entered, <laughs> and it was like the Gun Club, and they both had tights that said G U N N. I was like, oh, is this is this Billy Gun and his kit? No wait, that's no. not Billy. Gun. No, is that? <laughs> wait, holy crap! Neither of these men are Billy Gun. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second, neither of you are Billy Gunn. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they uh they they were entertaining in the match. Yeah. Um uh the pretty picture with pretty Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi. Mm-hmm. Uh the varsity blondes, which is just like the that could not sound like a more 1980s tag team. Oh yeah. Uh, with Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, part of the thing is like the nostalgia factor because Brian Pillman Jr., like his dad, Brian Pillman, yeah. um, and Steve Austin had a tag team uh, in the mid-90s in WCW called the Hollywood Blondes. Mm. And uh, that's kind of that. Right, step. with, what was it? was Stunning Steve stunning Austin. Stunning Steve Austin, yeah. Right. They used to do this thing where they had great theme music. I love the Hollywood Blondes. Mid-90s WCW is like my favorite, my personal favorite period of wrestling because that's just, every time I think of wrestling, I think of that, right? 
like I loved WCW in the early 90s or in mm-hmm. mid-90s. And yeah, they had a great theme music for the Hollywood Blondes. And they did this thing where they pretended to have little, they mimed having cameras whenever they walked in and stuff. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. I mean, this must be hitting a lot of notes, right? Because it's like Varsity Blondes. The next team out was Bear Country oh, yeah. with the with team yeah. members Bear Boulder and yeah. Bear Bronson. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Express, mm-hmm. who we've talked about before with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Yeah. Oh yeah, Beach. Have we ever talked about yes, Luchasaurus with you? You have, yeah. and I just yeah, you forgot, didn't you? I just remembered. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the next team out was the Butcher and the Blade. Mm-hmm. Then Private Party, uh, SoCal Uncensored, Death Triangle, mm-hmm. and the Dark Order. Death Triangle uh, represented by two of because the, there's three of them. It's Death yeah. Triangle, Pac, and Ray Phoenix, yeah. and the Penta L Zero. Penta, Penta, thank you. Yeah. Right, because it was Penta and Phoenix were yeah. the tag team, and then Pac joined them, and they were they became Death Triangle. So. Yes, I tell you that I am never ever going to feel ashamed of the wrestling names I came up with when I was in elementary school after hearing all of these. What is it? No, no, just in oh. general when you were like coming up with like yeah. code names and nicknames and sh- mm-hmm. and stuff, and it's like, and it's like, oh, those always were like a little lame, and it's like, oh no, that's the energy. Yeah, that's yeah, the that's, energy. that's okay. So I. <laughs> During high school, I don't I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but when I was in high school, me and my friends built a ring and we wrestled on it. Yo. Whoa. Um, and my wrestling name, are you ready for this? I don't think, have I ever told you this, what my wrestling <laughs> no. name was? No. Oh, man. My wrestling name was just Riot. That's, that's nice. Yeah. That's good, actually. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That's way less embarrassing. Than my I finisher was be. called Crowd Control. Hell Very good. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I think I want to find, I remember doing a, uh, we used to, we had like a production computer, like basically like a video editing class in our high school. Like a, it was like, no. a, yeah, we could actually do. And one of the projects that I did was a music video for this wrestling thing. And oh I wish God. I, I wish I could, I don't think, I think it's gone forever, but you know how much I would give to like find a copy of that again. Oh, oh Wow. Yeah. Pray for the lost media. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. So the the match, by the way, yep. worked really well. Like yeah. tag team Royal Rumble, like it yeah, it played. It it was it uh it it did everything that I wanted it to do. Like there's a lot of storyline stuff that I'm sure I wasn't picking up on just because I didn't mm. don't really know the stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was good. I love how they put the timer up and they followed the timer. <laughs> Yeah, it was, was a minute weird. thirty every time, and then every time the minute thirty ended, new team came out. Yeah, yeah, ready or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the winners was Death Triangle, mm-hmm. uh, represented by Ray Phoenix. It came down to Ray Phoenix versus Jungle Boy. Yeah, uh, and Ray Phoenix eliminated him. So uh, Death Triangle get to have a tag team title match. There was a point in this match. I can't remember who did it. I want to say it was QT Marshall, but he did like somebody kicked somebody in the head and it was so loud. I was like, (laughs) I made that noise like, oh, like like, out loud by myself just watching this show. And like there's a couple points in the show where like something happened. I went, oh, (laughs) I just like audibly gasped. Yeah, I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I need to ask one more time just mm -hmm. just to – Whenever you say Jungle Boy, I just picture Jimmy Fallon. It's Luke Perry's kid. 
Okay. Yeah, actual actually, Luke Perry. <laughs> actually, yeah. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Yeah, he's... Okay. Imagine someone dressed like Tarzan. Yeah. Yes. That's the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's, does he... Does he move around like what the was it Mr. Mungo? What was the name of the the weird thing? Was it Chris Catan who played that? Not Jimmy Fallon. What the oh, oh wow. About? Okay, I think I think I remember this character. Okay, some SNL character like a like a weird kind of jungle boy thing. And it's whenever you say this, that's who I picture. Is that literally what what? jungle boy aew jungle boy looks like and maybe i should be googling this so i can have a look at it there's a phil hartman character i see jungle boy now and i realize this is not the same (laughs) so that's great (laughs) i feel way better all right they did um because tony khan i mentioned billionaire has got the rights to the song tarzan boy to use as jungle boy's theme music okay I just, for a minute there, I'm like, he just happened to own them. That's how he made all his money. <laughs> yeah. I own yeah. Tarzan. But you're, you're, you've probably heard the song. Yeah. By Baltimore, Tarzan Boy. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a fixture of, uh, of many uh, arenas. Oh, that song? They own yeah. that song? How come they don't yeah. use that as their theme song? Well, no, they do. It's Jungle Boy's entrance music. That's not the same song, is it? Yeah. Like Tarzan Boy. You're going to get us like content ID. Yeah. (laughs) That's wild. The best part about it is that every time he does an entrance, Taz tries to to sing along with it and it's terrible. (laughs) Oh, I'm thinking of, okay, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking of Jurassic Express's theme song because it's different from this. Okay. Yes. yes, Okay. Yeah. I've never heard. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing that this is his theme song. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Yeah, I had to listen right. to that. <laughs> what a productive so, derail I made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next match was the singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship yeah. with Hikaru Shida defending against Ryo Mizunami. So they had the World Championship Eliminator Tournament. I yeah. don't know if they called it an eliminator tournament to like irritate Vince. Okay. I don't know. Cause they, they, there was a thing like a year or something ago where they had a tag team tournament, yeah. but Vince decided he didn't like the name tournament. So they kept calling it a tag team eliminator mm-hmm. on raw. And it was the dumbest thing. And eventually yeah. they dropped it anyway. Okay. Graham. Yeah. Beach, this isn't going to help you. I mean, Beach, this concerns you, but you don't know what you can't picture what. Okay. Re, what's her name? Her opponent? Oh. Rio Mizunami. Okay. So isn't Rio. Is, <laughs> I got I to gotta do a straight face. Okay. <sighs> isn't Rio Mizunami just if Beach was a female Japanese wrestler? <laughs> Damn it. Now I have to look this up. <laughs> <laughs> right like if you take if i take beat like the weight like the glasses and the sh- the jacket 
Like you can picture Beach wearing that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yes, it's I just Beach. It's just Beach. I'm looking at her right now and I'm like, this is Beach. It's Beach with that there's that hoodie that he wears in the office all the time. You know the 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 gold and the red one? Yeah. Yeah. It's just Beach. <laughs> Beach, this is just you. <laughs> The whole time I was watching, I was like, "Beej is good." I hope Beej wins the title. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Is Izanami? Rio R Y O. Yeah. Oh, Rio. Yeah, Rio. Rio. Mizunami. M I Z U N A M I. That's way easier. Just Beej, man. I'm Holy looking at shit. the picture. Like, <laughs> I'm looking at the picture of her with those glasses on, like the pre, the. The like the the video package before they did the match, yeah. and I'm like, this is just beach. It's <laughs> just beach. Goddamn. Yeah. Okay. I'll dress up like that. Nice. All right. That's <laughs> that's all I was getting at. <laughs> yeah. So they had two halves of this tournament. Mm-hmm. Again, they had one in the U.S. and one in Japan, and the U.S. half was mostly. AEW talent with a couple NWA folks in there, like Serena Deeb, who's the NWA women's champion, who was also, if you remember Adam, you may not have been watching at this time, but she was in the Straight Edge Society. Oh yeah. No, I've seen clips of her. Yeah. She's yeah, the one yeah. that they shaved her head and yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was a period of time beach on SmackDown where CM Punk was basically tr- starting a cult kind of, with the straight edge society with um, actually with Luke Gallows uh, as it happens um, who he was, this is where you get that like Luke Gallows is canonically Festus who was that like hillbilly character yeah. who was like mentally deficient. But when the bell rang, he turned into a big that's monster. The worst gimmick dude. That's such a terrible. Vince McMahon gimmick. That's like, Oh my God. He hears the ding and he's like, I'm, I am, uh, yeah. Yeah. You turn into like, like a, you turn into a Viking basically. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but as soon as the the match ends, you turn into a simpering idiot again. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) just the worst. When CM Punk introduced him, he was like, this is, this is Luke Gallows. You might know him as Festus, but I've saved him and fixed him and made him better. And it's like, oh, you're actually saying that's the same character. All right, sure. Fine, I guess. Anyway, and then, yeah, they were like, just, you know, are there any believers out there? And this woman in the audience is like, I do. And then gets in the ring and then pledges her fealty to CM Punk. And then they shave her head in the ring. And that was, that was mm-hmm. Serena Deeb. Obviously, she was a plant and that was all part of the thing because she's a right. wrestler. But anyway, now she's NWA Women's Champion. She was part of this as well. So the winner of the American bracket was Nyla Rose uh, from AEW. And the winner of the Japanese bracket was Ryo Mizunami, who actually defeated Maki Ito in the first round. But Mm -hmm. Maki Ito had amazing social media presence. So everybody was like, no, 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 no. She's over. Yeah. So really, who's the real winner, right? Yeah. (laughs) If you're good on social media, then in today's landscape, cultural landscape, right? If you're good on social media, it doesn't matter how much you lose on TV, right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is the coming down to the the finals. Then Rio defeated Nyla Rose and mm-hmm. now is here at Revolution uh challenging Hikaru Shida for the title. Uh which Shida retained. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. It does it's sort of like, I mean, that makes Shida look great, but it is like all this build up to be like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I do you like how Rio came out with like the um the trophy that she won from the tournament. Oh, that was yeah. a nice touch. It was just like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. That was good. It was a great match also. Oh, yeah, it was cool, man. Like, it was just yeah. like, it was a different style of, 
It was a very a very Japanese style match. Yeah. Is there yeah. is there something to the fact dividing the brackets? Is that uh, just that was, was mostly just for practicality reasons with like COVID and whatnot. You know, it's like, uh, look, we don't have enough women on the roster, mm-hmm. so let's expand this by doing some stuff with New Japan. So let's. You know, if we do a North American bracket and a Japanese bracket, then they like all the Japanese bracket was filmed in Japan. Oh, like, okay, okay. In a just like in a room with a ring ah. <laughs> and like an AEW sign taped to the wall. Like it was, <laughs> it was not like high production. What's uh, Japanese for blue tack? I- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I find blue, it. Blue I found tack. it weird. Like Hikaru Shida is, I generally I think of babyface, but she wrestled very much like a heel in this mm. match. And then at the end, there was like all of the other heels ran out to beat up both of them. And then she, I guess she's a babyface again. Like you know what I mean? Like that's the only part of this where I was concerned. But I think that's just more of I didn't really watch any of the build up, right? Mm. So I was kind of confused there. But that's just that's not their fault right that's yeah. my fault <laughs> it it seems like when they have t- the two japanese women in the ring because it's the same was true from the maki ito riho match uh from dark elevation that they're not you don't get tony khan being like okay 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 we want you to make sure that you two are wrestling this and you know the aew style you mm-hmm. have to do it you have to do oh. it our way you know it's very much like okay have your match do yeah. the match the way that you would do the match and boy do they and it's yeah. so it's 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 fresh and interesting you know yeah it was very much a different style that i'm so used to like women's matches in wwe mm-hmm. being a certain way and this is just like it was good i enjoyed it yeah yep. just i'm like I, I feel like there's also a larger point that where where i'm like is that like a like a long-standing thing that um if you coming from another promotion, especially if you're coming from like a Japanese promotion that it's like, you have to shed anything that you've done because we do it differently or we have to make you a heel because you're clearly not American or like any of those kind of, Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, is that, that's still like a predominant. Mm, it's getting better, yeah. but I mean, you still have people in WWE who are like, you know, you're a absolute superstar in Mexico, but you've got to go to the training center and learn how we do things. Oh, okay. You know, and like some some of that is like because no one else on the roster will know how to wrestle you if oh, you don't. Oh, okay. Then right, like styles can be significantly different. Yeah, it's 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 not completely impractical that it's like if you try to just wrestle the, you know, like you're in another lucha promotion, like people are not going to be able to have a good match with you. So you need to learn how people wrestle in WWE. But I I would say that they go too far and just like completely eliminate anything that makes people interesting or different. I, yeah. Cause, cause the way that like the way when you were uh, saying it, it, it felt to me that it's like, um, this kind of like, God, I, I don't want to drop the whole, like, well, cause it's American exceptionalism. Like we know how to pro wrestle better than anybody else in the world. Like that kind of idea. Um, I was like, is that what's coming out here? Is it, is it more of a, uh, but then I also, I also thought that it's like, isn't pro wrestling just pro wrestling? Like, despite saying like, well, he wrestles strong style and he, he wrestles like this and he's a, he's this kind of fighter and this is that kind of fighter or whatever. I just thought that was like, yeah, but that's just stuff they make up. Mm-hmm. That's just things that they say. I didn't realize that it was like, that's a, that's a real, um, 
that's really a part of who like ha, uh, different promotions or different styles are different in different places. That's like Lucha is that much different. You can see how it is that much different. I didn't realize that was the case. So I hate to get off on like the larger tangent, but it just no, no. I never really realized that was, I just thought it was down to like, oh, it's good old fashioned racism or something like that, right? Like, <laughs> usually with WWE's case, yes, that is. Usually, okay, well. It's usually, right. it's usually like Vince being like, you're a foreigner, so you gotta be, it's just a holdover from like the 80s style of like characters, right? Okay. I Yeah, I didn't want to open a can of worms here. No, no, no it's like, fine. I think it's like, They've gotten a lot better about it, but it still happens every now and again. Like you're just like, why is this person a heel? Is it are they a heel because they can't speak English? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just that's what they did with Nakamura, kinda. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of, you mentioned the Lucha thing, but did you see that Andrade asked for his release? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> and been been denied as far as I'm aware. It's so yeah. weird. It's like he's such an obvious it 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 baffles me that you can have someone like andrade who is so good and has such potential not even potential because again he's already a star in his own right before coming to wwe but you have someone like him and it's like oh, i can't figure out what to do with this guy mm-hmm. uh, i guess we'll just leave him at home yeah that's it's, weird it's to just me. you know him Alistair Black, like they were being pushed for a while and then something happened backstage and then it's like, no, no, we don't know what to do with these people. Sorry, I guess. And like, man, storytelling as well. Like I I just saw the announcement that uh, Bobby Lashley is defending the title against Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And it was just like announced on social media and all the responses were like, wait, what? Why? I mean, cool, I guess, but why? Was there no, there's no story for that? You have, you have three hours of Monday Night Raw. You can't mm-hmm. like put a storyline reason for this to be happening. No, nope. what the? F- <sighs> yeah. Anyway, the next match at Revolution was a tag team match between Miro, formerly Rusev, mm-hmm. and Kip Sabian against best friends well two of the best friends specifically in this case orange cassidy and chuck taylor yeah uh i don't recall what the storyline reason for this was uh they interrupted uh miro is basically the best man right so he's kip and uh, penelope ford are like i think a real life couple and they Mm -hmm. had their wedding like on an episode of AEW, and then miro was brought in as like kind of like the the muscle of Kip Sabian's tiny weaselly heel. Right. Right. And, uh, they had a wedding on one of the episodes of AEW dynamite. And I think orange Cassidy and the best friends interrupted it or made them look stupid. Mm. And then that's been carried over ever since then. I don't know what happened to Trent Beretta. I think Trent Beretta got hurt. Ah, or I guess they call him Trent. Now he's not Trent Beretta anymore. Right. Um, but Trent got hurt. So he's out of it for a little while. Fair enough. This is also just what I've taken from like things I've seen on social media and then like right. what I picked up from commentary. And I think that's the general gist of the storyline. Just nice cool. Man, Rusev's looking jacked. He's looking huge. Jesus. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. 
This is the best shape he's ever been in, I think, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before the match, uh, Rusev, they're doing a backstage interview with Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. And then Rusev jumps both of them and then slams Chuck Taylor into a window, like a door, like a kind of like a. Like a sliding glass door? No, like the, just like, you know, how there's like a little window in the door, like a tiny window, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. he just like smashed him into it. Dude, the number of times that I heard JR say, uh, tough is a $2 steak tonight was like actually unreal. I should have kept track because I think it was like, I think I had to use two hands account, right? <laughs> he was not having a great night. No. He started losing his voice after like the third match. Yeah. It was like, oh, apologies, folks, for my voice. I'll try to get it under control. <laughs> this is, I guess I should have mentioned, yeah, the, the, Commentary team, which is the sort of standard AEW commentary team, was Tony Schiavone, JR, Jim Ross, and Excalibur. Mm-hmm. And it's just hilarious to me every time they cut to the commentary booth and one of the commentators is wearing a lucha mask. Yeah. It's just funny. It's just, yeah. <laughs> that, that's Excalibur, by the way, if yeah. you were wondering. Good, I was which, hoping. Like- <laughs> which one of them is it? Yeah. So, yeah. Then Excalibur the- is this dog that we keep around. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> man, thank what do you goodness. think Excalibur <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh boy now I want to see that yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like Air Bud what's that? <laughs> what's that Excalibur Penelope Ford's trapped down a well work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they do uh, Miro and Kip Sabian come out and they're dragging Chuck Taylor behind them uh, Chuck Taylor is uh, kind of bleeding out of under the eye or his arm or something, something he got cut somewhere. And I don't know if it was on his arm. They got cut. I think his arm got cut. Hmm. And then, uh, Miro grabs a mic and he's like, you can quit now. I can stop this. You had, you had your chance to quit a while ago, but I'm giving you another chance. And then Chuck Taylor says, ring the bell, you know? So then they start fighting and then eventually orange Cassidy comes out. Um, basically like the end comes like where Miro, charges at uh, Orange Cassidy and Orange Cassidy ducks out of the way and Miro charge. Oh no, no, sorry. Miro pushes Orange Cassidy into Penelope Ford. Who's on the apron. And then she hits and then Kip has to tend to her. And then Miro makes uh, Chuck Taylor tap out with the, what they, I can't remember what they used to call it. I think it was the accolade or something. They used but to call it the accolade. Yeah. The accolade. Now. Yeah. But yeah, it was good. It just, Miro looks huge. Mm-hmm. And, Orange Cassidy is awesome. I don't mind Chuck Taylor. I think I don't I haven't seen enough of Chuck Taylor stuff, so I don't have like a what's the word I'm looking for? Any connection frame or, or frame, no? Yeah, I guess frame of reference or just like any kind of like desire to really root for Chuck Taylor. You know what I mean? Like I just haven't seen enough mm. of his stuff. But yeah, it was good. Uh, oh, it's it's called the Game Over. Ah, okay, it's the Game right. Over because he's a streamer. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he is though. Like he's mm-hmm. he he streams on Twitch. Like after he yeah. left WWE, he was just like, oh, I guess I'm just gonna stream for a while until yeah. I find till my like no compete clause runs out. Yeah. Next match was Hangman Adam Page versus Big Money Matt Hardy <laughs> in a Big Money match. Yeah. Which can you guess what a Big Money match is? Giant novelty checks. Oh God! I wish. I wish. Can you imagine yeah, they beat great. each other up with giant novelty checks, and whoever wins gets their gets their donation to the charity seen through. No, two strikes. <laughs> no. You got one more guess. No. Mm, yeah. Goddamn, uh, big money. Yeah. Is yeah. it? 
Is it just that the amount that they're that they're wrestling for is just a big amount of money? That's that's close enough. Yeah, that's close enough. We, <laughs> we check with the judges. Uh, yes, yes, we will give you that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the stipulation is the winner receives the loser's first quarter 2021 earnings <laughs> adjusted for inflation yeah. removing uh, taxable income only yeah. really like <laughs> of course of course yeah God. yeah they kind of scrapped the uh broken matt hardy gimmick because it wasn't really working without a crowd right yeah that's fair so matt hardy being the chameleon that he is has adopted the big money matt um persona which is one of his previous gimmicks yeah. He was he did this on Twitter at least for a while. Didn't he do this in TNA or Impact? I think so. I wasn't watching at the time. I wasn't either. So I think this was just before Broken Matt Hardy, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. This was like this led into Broken Matt Hardy because Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like a dude love mankind thing. Like he just can pivot back and forth between I think so, yeah. Um Hangman Adam Page has uh the last time we talked about him, I think he had lost or him and Kenny Omega were the tag team champions and then they lost to the young bucks. And there was that big storyline where Adam page was kind of feeling left out of the elite, even though he was tag team champions with Kenny mm-hmm. and he had a bit of a drinking problem. Um, and then the dark order tried to recruit hangman Adam page. And there was a big storyline with that, which kind of hit a hiccup when Brody Lee passed away. Mm. Um, but that's, kind of been hangman's deal i think for the last few months anyway is that he didn't really want to be part of the dark order because he wanted to do his own thing kind of didn't want more friends he'd already been turned not turned on but like kind of left abandoned by the young bucks and kenny omega this match was good yeah i liked it private party are now heels they're with matt hardy oh right um that 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 kind of tracks with the big money matt hardy gimmick Yeah, yeah all right so that's their thing now. So Matt is trying to like teach them the ins and outs of the business, I guess, you know, um, hangman Adam page wins this match. Um, the private party comes out to like interrupt and interfere. And then the dark order comes out to even the odds. And there's actually a really good part where, uh, dark order basically just do like a trust fall with hangman Adam page. He like falls off the edge of the apron and then the entire dark order catches him and pushes him back up putting hangman in perfect position to execute his finishing move, the buckshot lariat mm-hmm. into the ring and he pins big money, Matt, and then they all celebrate. I'm sure he'll use those quarter quarterly earnings for some real good. <laughs> buckshot lariat's a good move. Oh yeah. It's great. I'm trying to see if I can get Adam pages Chiron from his entrance. His Chiron said decided on the snapper 56, 560 Z which I don't know what that is. It's a lawnmower. <laughs> okay. I bet it's a lawnmower because Snapper let's, makes lawnmowers. Let's see. Snapper. I'm going to Google it. Uh... Yep, that's a lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rider mower. <laughs> oh, that's a nice looking lawnmower. Yeah. Well, that's Dang. the one that Adam Page has decided on. So Good. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Mm. Good for you. What a great Chiron. All right, cool. God damn, I love all these guys. They're Yeah, they're great. Yeah. So the next match was the Face of the Revolution ladder match mm-hmm. for a future AEW TNT championship. So this is essentially money in the bank. This like or not essentially. This is a money in the bank ladder match. Mm-hmm. Uh except 
instead of what WWE does, which is the money in the bank is represented by a briefcase suspended above the ring in which is a contract for a future match. Yeah. What AEW has is literally a joke at WWE's expense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is suspended above the ring is an enormous brass ring. <laughs> because you have to reach for the brass ring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, BG may not be familiar with this particular terminology, but the the joke is that WWE talks about how for a wrestler to differentiate themselves, to get themselves over to achieve greatness in WWE, they have to reach for the brass ring. This is something that they've said in all seriousness, not in storyline. They've said it in storyline too, but something they've said in all seriousness is that wrestlers have to, you know, they have to reach for the brass ring. They have to, you know, reach for the sky, set themselves apart from the rest of the crowd. Yeah. But it's very meritocratous because it's yes. like anybody can do this. It's not up to, you know, it's it's not up to the whims of the management. It's not up to whatever. Any one of you could could actually do this. You just gotta prove and show that that you're you have a gimmick that works. Yeah. yeah. Okay. While at the same time, out of the other side of their mouth, saying if you go off script, you'll be fired. Right? <laughs> like that that's the problem with WWE, is they're like, no, you you just have to reach for the brass ring. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I want to say, no, 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 no. This is the this is the script. Oh, but okay. Well, well, what I want to do with it is no, no, we've decided that you're losing tonight and then you're going to go do this thing. Yeah. Right? Like they they say mm-hmm. you have to show the way that you're different. You have to you know, make a name for yourself, you know, go reach for the brass ring except that we're going to, you know, drop a chair on you <laughs> if you try. Like it it it's very disingenuous. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, AEW decided that they were going to have a literal enormous brass ring. It looks like a ring out of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, good. Yeah, it's actually, it's like a big donut, dude. It's just like, it's so big. It's, it's like, like the size of a life preserver. Yeah, it looks like one of those, I th- keep on thinking it's like one of those pillows that people will bring on the airplane with them. Yeah. Is it is it so big that like and like so thick that you have to use both hands yes. to kind of handle it? Oh, oh yeah, good. yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, and so that's that's the uh, that's the brass ring, and you've yeah. got to reach for the brass ring. Um, also, this match had the surprise debut of um, all ego Ethan Page, I don't know. A former Impact World Champion, who's now. Oh, okay. Dude, in the, the, the promo before this, like the video package, man, the number of times that I had to listen to Lance Archer be like, Murderhawk Monster, like say Murderhawk Monster in some kind of way, you know? It's like, it's, it's it felt like a very WWE thing. It's like the monster among men, the Murderhawk Monster. It's me, the Murderhawk Monster. I'm coming for it. Hey, did I mention that I'm the Murderhawk Monster? Does anybody Is that what he calls or... his haircut? Yeah. <laughs> did okay. anybody? Hey, I just wanted to make sure that everybody heard me say the name Murderhawk Monster. Like you're trying to give your, I want everyone to call me T-Bone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bet, T-Bag. Yeah. It's kind of like an ape. It's me, Slapjack. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's he's six foot eight, so yeah. he is a monster. He but yeah, monster. he's really trying to get Murderhawk over yeah. this match. I should say, sorry, it was uh, Cody Rhodes, uh, Penta, the other 
part of Death Triangle, Lance Archer, aka the Murder Hawk Monster, if mm. we really want to give him that. <laughs> um, hey. Scorpio Sky, Max Caster, and Ethan Page. Max he, Caster's gimmick is Smackdown-era John oh. Cena. Damn it! Yeah, you know. See, that would have been great. I mean, the rap for thing is good. Like, he actually did a really cool rap. Uh, really cool rap. I sounded so white there. For, <laughs> was, oh, man. That oh, was, man. Oh, Jesus. My dad? Gee, dad? I'm making that my text tone next time. <laughs> it's a really cool rap. Oh, that was a cool rap. <laughs> You had a lot of fun. You all rhymed every word. It was about... oh, now, now, some, of, some of those words weren't exact rhymes. Yeah. More of an uh, automatopoeia than anything. You've got more. a real Migos flow. Yeah. Uh, I just had chicken Caesar in a tortilla. It was a really cool rap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beef rap. Uh, beef rap. Yeah. yeah. He said something about he had more, he's going to have more blood on his hands than Cuomo, which I thought was really funny. Holy shit. Yeah, I was like, wow, that was, ooh, boy. Deep. Yeah. Swinging for the the timely fences with that one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, this was a ladder match, which means that it was, you know, very entertaining, right? Six-person ladder match. You've got, uh, outside the ring, by the way, backing up Cody Rhodes, you've got Arn Anderson. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of names, Beach will remember backing up Lance Murderhawk Archer is Jake the Snake Roberts. What? Yep, still yeah. alive. He's not dead. God damn it! I fucking got you, you idiot. Yeah. Thanks to thanks to DDP Yoga. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for him. He actually he actually moved in with DDP for a while. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a requirement, but that's cool. I noticed that the AEW ladders, I like when they make themselves visually distinct. So the AEW ladders are all black mm-hmm. rather than WWE, which chooses to use the sort of plain aluminum look. Yeah. And it's funny because when we could see backstage at the Rumble that they have like the ladders that they actually use for actual ladder things. And then they have their wrestling ladders, <laughs> right? Uh, the wrestling ladders are all aluminum yeah. and the other ladders are just like normal whatever is that you get at Home Depot or something. But the AW ladders, so they're black with like red inside. Like mm-hmm. when they when they shattered them, I assume it's just because they're like that's just the color of like the plastic that they've painted over. But they put someone through a ladder at one point, and it, it looked like the ladder was bleeding. It was kind of yeah, rad. It's sick. Yeah, it's super yeah. cool. Awesome. Generally, they're pretty good about the biggest complaint I have with ladder matches, which is the like flurry of activity and then the last person standing is like now i have to very slowly yeah climb the ladder one step after another until mm-hmm. somebody interferes with me Convince any myself. moment <laughs> and it's just like this yeah, yeah um so generally they were they were pretty good about that but there uh there definitely was more than one instance of like I'm the only one in the ring and there's a ladder set up in the middle of the ring, but rather than climb it, I'm going to take the ladder down and hit someone with it. Yeah. Yeah. There was actually a moment where, uh, I think it was Max Caster was like hit Cody Rhodes. And then the, the ladder was set up perfectly in the middle of the ring. And he like, he punches or he kicks Cody Rhodes and Cody Rhodes falls down. Then Max like grabs the ladder and like unsets it up, like picks it up. It's like, why don't you just climb the ladder? (laughs) They've been been watching our rumbles. They've been like, Oh, the autumnal rumble was really good. Let's have a guy pick it up 14 times. Uh, 
Anyway, this was a very entertaining match. Lots of fun. These kind of ladder matches always are. And eventually, uh, Scorpio Sky gets to be Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. And it claims the enormous... Ri- Just a shot of him holding up the one big ring at the end of the match was very entertaining. God, I love Lord of the Rings. Man, how does it end? <laughs> Scorpio Sky. Man, they could have solved a lot of problems if they just, like, in Middle Earth, they just had a ladder match for the one ring, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, let's skip all this like combat stuff. Let's have one match. There was one other, um, before we get to the the last two matches on the card, one of the other big things that was sort of teased for the evening was that when Paul White, the big show, was brought on, he said that at Revolution, there would be a Hall of Fame level signing or Hall of Fame worthy. I don't recall the actual words. Uh, someone would be signing with AEW that was like, uh, you know, Hall of Fame level uh acquisition for the company so of course everybody was like oh you know like who could it be and i love a lot of people were like hey i wonder if it's kurt angle and so kurt angle tweeted a like montage video of him like suiting up oh god wow and so and so people were like ah so it's not kurt okay like Because you wouldn't do that, right? So no. I was like, he, but he's, he's he's got like an energy drink. I think he's promoting anyway. Um, so it turns out who it was was Christian. What? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, you guys are making such a big deal about oh, Christian showed up to the Royal Rumble or whatever. I can't fucking remember. I don't. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but wow, wow. Yeah. Well, that so, kind of I, makes that whole thing about them being a tag team again not not gonna happen yeah Yeah. i I assume that what happened was they were he was there for the rumble and it was like cool that went well should we do more stuff and then they couldn't come to terms or wwe wasn't interested and then Mm -hmm. christian was like all right i'm gonna go do this and they were like yep like apparently everyone's cool with it you know just like you don't want me that's fine i'm gonna go do this we cool we cool okay great cool so yeah uh, under the same name he used in TNA, Christian Cage, he's here in in AEW, and I'm very excited about that. I'm hoping that it doesn't. I don't think it'll end up like that, but it does feel like very like late era WCW or when TNA was just bringing on a bunch of like old stars, right? True. They don't take everyone that WWE no, fires. They don't, <laughs> which is good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Christian Cage was great in TNA when he was one of their world champions. And it was, that's when people were like, why have they never taken him seriously in WWE? And then back to WWE and continue to not take him seriously. And so then eventually it's like, all right, look, I'm just going to go do this. All right. Two more matches. We have Darby Allen and sting. Yep. Versus Brian cage and Ricky Starks, uh, AKA team Taz. So this, to the benefit of Sting, is a cinematic match. And this is another reason that I was very excited, because I hadn't quite bought the show yet. Mm -hmm. And somebody was like, oh, the Sting match is going to be a cinematic match. uh, And I'll be really interested to hear what what you think about it, Graham. And I was like, oh, darn it. Now I I really got to watch this now. Is it shot like like a Kubrick film? Like, well... (laughs) Well, because we've talked about the cinematic matches that WWE has done and how some of them are all right and some of them are less good. And, you know, I've made big points about, like, what could be done better. Uh, in oh, is this like the ways. one that Undertaker had? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that like kind of on a yeah. location. Yeah. Yes. I this see. is on a location in a warehouse, like an abandoned warehouse, but there's still a ring there. Mm-hmm. And uh, overall, this was sweet. Dude, I loved the opening shot. Yeah. The opening shot was awesome. They like, so like they show like Ricky Starks and Brian Cage getting into like a green Lamborghini. And then they, uh, like the camera like goes through the passenger door and into the, where Brian Cage is sitting. Kind of like in one fluid shot. I don't know. I thought it was cool. And then like it cuts away. They sh- like they pan out from going into Brian Cage's side of the car into the outside shot of the car, and then they pan out and the car drives away, and then they transition to the shot of them pulling up to this abandoned warehouse where they're fixing to have a fight. I guess I don't know or a drug deal. I- yeah, or that. Yeah, why not both? Why not both? <laughs> yeah, got to go full gear. <laughs> no, that's a different pay per view. <laughs> got to go revolution. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it was the the only thing that I thought was weird about this. The only thing that really sort of held it back for me is that they had the full commentary running over it the whole time. Yeah. And they had Taz on commentary. Mm-hmm. So you had four guys just talking nonstop. <laughs> I actually thought it helped a lot. I there were aspects of it that I I felt like because they're not used to commenting on stuff that is pre-recorded, and there were things where it's like, dude, things, that, things <laughs> that you can do when it's pre-recorded that yeah. they did and took advantage of in ways that I thought were really good. But then having the commentary team be like, "Wait, hang on, what's going on here?" Oh, was like just <laughs> sort of undercut it. Like there was one part where it's like, um, I think it was Sting gets attacked by this enormous dude wearing a balaclava and the commentary team is like oh my god who is that and it's like i don't know guys maybe it's the enormous dude from team taz (laughs) and he takes his balaclava off and they're like it's powerhouse hobbs it's like yes who the fuck else was it going to be (laughs) yeah dude i loved how in the beginning i mean even going back even further when they were doing the entrances and then like they did all that stuff for ricky sarks and brian cage and then fucking sting and uh darby allen show up but they did this shot where darby allen's like darby allen's like a little skateboarder right like he's a a punk hoodlum kid and he like Sting's driving in a truck, and then like Sting looks in the rear view mirror. There's a shot of Sting look at Sting in full makeup, looks in his rear view mirror and looks back, and then there Darby Allen like grabs onto the back of the truck, like on the highway. Like skateboarding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're yeah. skateboarding. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. I was like, oh man, this is my kind of horse shit. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. So I don't know. Like there were there were just there were some aspects of having just four people doing non-stop commentary that yeah. i think like i don't know in some instances i think it was good i think they needed to do maybe less commentary mm-hmm. i feel uh, like what makes some like so i didn't watch any of this uh and i think everybody who's if you haven't been a part of sidewalk slam before you know that's kind of my thing is that i never know what's going on in this mm-hmm. show but um 
I have watched uh, uh, Noel Holds Bard, a uh, you know, Hulk Hogan <laughs> tiny lister uh, vehicle, or it was Zeus? It was Zeus, not yeah. tiny lister. Yeah. But yeah. I have watched that, and that's kind of my that's kind of how I approach the idea of, of cinematic wrestling. Is that that's that's a and yeah. I love that you guys laughed about that, but. I remember being all excited going to the theater in the in the late '80s to watch that film, um, and that's kind of how I would have pictured you want to do when you're t- saying you want to do a match that's like cinema, is that you want to do it so it feels like there's tension and stakes, and there might be people yelling stuff and there might be chaos in the crowd, but that you're it's dependent upon camera angles and the events that are happening to tell the story. Not to have a bunch of, of like other guys who are basically yelling out what's happening to try to keep the tension high, mm-hmm. and and so is that is that kind of the sake here where it's like yeah the that's that's where you that's what you've wanted Graham like you say that you have these you've had this issue before where it's like they don't seem to really tackle cinema in the way that it they should really be tackling it yeah they. When they did the Undertaker match, for example, uh, which overall I very much enjoyed, right? Mm-hmm. Like my 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 criticism was not even necessarily criticism, more as like suggestions for improvement. See mm. me after class, Vince. <laughs> uh, was like that it was still shot like a sporting event. Like it was this. It was weird because there were edits and cuts, and obviously it was set up like a like a movie but the cameras were all just like normal TV cameras and it mm. was all shot with just like it. This is clearly just some guy running around holding the camera kind of thing. Whereas this actually had some very interesting, cool cinematic shots in it. Like this was shot much more like a fight scene. It, there were still a lot of oh. aspects that were, that were shot like a live thing. Uh, but there were there was much more in here that was was shot like you can do when you're editing it and was shot, a, you know, much more like from a movie or TV show, which is, I think, why I felt sort of the commentary aspect was kind of weirdly disconnected. Um, but uh, but, you know, overall, uh, you know, this is easily one of the best attempts at this kind of match that I've seen. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, this was great. I love like everything about this. I yeah, know. I just thought it was awesome. The like opening scene of like when Darby and Sting show up and they have like a bunch of people in like Sting masks walking with them, and then they all look up at the same time at like this certain like musical beat and stuff like that. Like when they finished entering, and uh, yeah, they started fighting each other. Brian Cage is huge. Brian Cage is so big. Like he's a big man, and there's a, <laughs> there's a certain point where like Darby Allen and Brian Cage end up fighting off by themselves, and then Brian Cage throws Darby Allen through a door, and then starts fighting him up a set of they they're they're fighting up stairs, right? Like they're kind of beating each other up, and then Brian Cage goes to suplex Darby Allen, but just like puts him in the suplex like the upright suplex position, and then just walks up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just like walks with another human being in the suplex position, just upstairs like it was nothing. It was crazy. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. You, you want to be able to show off that kind of athleticism and the 
and the and the maybe also because then you can do different camera angles to show kind of the brutality and up and amp up the brutality of like you know this is really hurting this guy and, mm-hmm. and you know this is really doing a, a number on him and he'll never recover from this and yeah and then they uh there's a scene where just before like as brian cage and darby allen are like fighting up these stairs um sting is squared off with ricky starks and ricky sting has a baseball bat and Ricky Starks is like, you won't fight me without the bat. And then Sting takes the bat and throws the bat up into a window, basically, like up on like the second floor of this warehouse. Mm-hmm. And then they start fighting. And then they all end up upstairs. Um, Darby Allen does like that coffin drop move off like a like a post, like a pillar onto Ricky Starks, which puts Ricky Starks out for a while. But then more members of Team Taz show up. Hooks? Yeah. Or hook, hook, sorry, and powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, powerhouse hook Hobbs is yeah. Powerhouse Hobbs is enormous, and hook yeah. is teeny. Yeah. Well, comparatively. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if they stood next to us, they'd probably look massive, right? Yeah. They just Brian look Cage, by the way, is the guy I mentioned earlier who looks like three men wide. Like Brian Cage looks like an absolute beast. Yeah. His nickname, he, they call him the Swolverine because he. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he like he all of his stuff is like X Men related. You know, like okay. his move, like he has a move called the Drill Claw, which is one of Wolverine's special moves from one of the Marvel fighting games. Yeah, and then he uh, his finisher is called Weapon X. Right, yeah. he's just right. that's right. Weapon X. Yeah, yeah. He has there's a bit he where has he mutton and... chops like Wolverine does. Oh wow! Like sideburns. There's a bit where he and Powerhouse Hobbs hurl. <laughs> they just pick Darby Allen up like yeah. by hands and feet and like swing him through a window. Yeah. Like a, there's a window with glass in it. That's like not in a wall. It's like leaning up against the wall and they throw him through it, like yeah. through the glass. Like, like they were like at, at a lake trying to throw him into yes. the lake. Yeah. yeah, yeah yes, yeah. exactly yeah. that. Uh, and then it slides down. Like he goes through it and ends up sitting, leaning against the wall. And then it slides down the wall and like hits him in the head. It looks super painful. Yeah, it did not look. Yeah. So is like fake glass, not to dive. I don't really want to waste a lot of time on this conversation, but is <laughs> fake glass, is it just like sugar? Like it's made of sugar, right? Like they're just throwing them through like sugar glass. I mean, it's not I, real, I, right? <laughs> I, I'm yeah. almost positive this has to be breakaway glass, which is not always necessarily sugar, but okay. yes, does not cut you in the same way yeah, that yeah, actual yeah. actual glass, real glass. Yes. i assume this is prop glass yeah. prop glass yeah, yeah i wasn't sure what the technical term for it was i just always assume it was like not made of sugar but it's just fake glass right i think that's yeah. a classical thing that they used to do is yeah so then yeah. brian cage gets a fucking shovel and starts just teeing off on sting like absolutely just going fucking bananas with this like god this is another one of the moments where sting got hit by the shovel it was like it was like bang and it was just like oh my god dude sting's like fucking 800 years old you're gonna he's gonna burst into a cloud of dust if you hit him too hard but yeah so like sting's like getting beat up with this shovel right and then again much they say long-term storytelling and wrestling is dead but Mm -hmm. uh while sting's getting beat up with the shovel uh Darby Allen, who was put out of commission after getting thrown through the uh, the window or whatever, is up top, and he has the bat that Sting threw up there. And it's like, hey, Sting, here's your bat, and then throws it down, and Sting catches it and starts going fucking nuts on everybody else <laughs> down at the bottom. Um, 
and Sting breaks the bat on Brian Cage. The bat just like snaps in half. I don't know, man. It's like okay, a metal. Yeah, it's yeah. like an aluminum bat or something. And then Sting's like, well, the bat broke. What do I do now? So he picks up the fucking shovel and hits, hits Brian Cage right in the goddamn head with it. Like, just like, yeah, like full on hits him in the head. I was like, whoa. Did it, did it make that sound like the beginning of uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit? <laughs> dunk, dunk. Yeah. Like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. <laughs> okay. So Sting hits Brian Cage with the shovel, and then him and Ricky Starks get in the middle of the ring. They fight for a little bit, and then Sting hits the Scorpion Death Drop and pins Ricky Starks. Did you talk about how Darby Allen dove from the second story? Oh, I didn't. The... No, I forgot about that part. Yeah. So Sting, after Sting hit Brian Cage with the shovel. And then Darby Allen jumps off the uh, second story window or whatever onto like a big, it's like a giant table, basically. It's like a piece of, because it's like a, it's like a warehouse with a mezzanine and there's like a huge thing of plywood across part of the mezzanine, I guess. This is an amazing location. Kind of like a catwalk? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, Darby jumps from a window on, I guess, the third story. Mm Mm-hmm down onto Brian Cage on this plywood platform on the second story, which then collapses, sending both of them down to the first story. Yeah. Looks pretty, it was pretty wild. brutal. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Pretty brutal. It was a good match, though. I really enjoyed I If that's, like, going to be the evolution of the uh, cinematic match, I'm okay with it. Oh, yeah, for it sure. Good. It was very well done. Well and shot. This is, they didn't cut away. They didn't cut away like eight billion times. Yeah, and this is exactly the sort of thing that you can do with someone like Sting, who like can't necessarily like keep up. Go in a yeah, in a, in like a full like this. This thing was like fourteen minutes long. Yeah, right. To like do a fourteen minute match in the ring in front of a live crowd is not necessarily something that Sting could do at his age and. With this, he gets to still be a badass. So right, because really well. ultimately it is character work, isn't it? It's yeah. You're 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 doing this because people still love you and they still want to see you do the thing. So you you can uh, finesse it in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Which is not to say that he didn't work his ass off and look. Oh, he still absolutely. Looks exhausted not. He at got the end hit of this with thing. a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you want to talk about brutal matches? Now it's time for your main event. Okay, just before we move on even further, yeah. I'm used to with like the Royal Rumble being the main event. And I assumed that when you talked about this whole, when you talked about Revolution, mm-hmm. that it was like, that was the attraction, this unusual thing they came up with. This like, you know, this Battle Royale, Casino Royale, whatever the hell it was called, this yeah. Quantum of Solace that they've come up with. Um and and so I thought that was the main event. And then everything else you're talking about is like some sort of weird aftercard, but or they just had other things that were going on. But literally that that was all the setup for what's coming now. Yeah, yeah, that was the second match. That the the yeah. the battle royale. Because it's the tag team stuff. And like tag team, even though AEW takes it seriously, tag team wrestling is not the is not the premier event. Okay. Um 
certainly not when you have like this cinematic match with sting uh you've got this like that ladder match you know like that that was a fun thing you know but it was only because it's it's as many men as the royal rumble but they come in two at a time so that that whole rumble royale match was only 26 minutes yeah so it was still like the longest single match on the card but it was not like you know it wasn't like 90 minutes or anything okay your main event is kenny omega defending the AEW World Championship against John Moxley in Are You Ready for This Beach? An exploding barbed wire death match. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Try all the ideas that coming up with are are too ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. Uh-huh. So exploding barbed wire. There's Globes covered in barbed wire, like nets of barbed wire around around situated around the ring, hanging at certain heights. Mm-hmm. And and if you strike one, the the explosive inside goes out and and shoots the nets okay. uh, across not just not just the people wrestling, but also the audience, which is why everyone had to be wrestlers in the audience because they have to sign the waivers. Mm-hmm. Close. Do you want to hear the actual rules? Am I gonna get anywhere close? You're pretty close. Yeah. What? Okay. So go ahead. Exploding barbed wire deathmatch. Three sides of the ring are wrapped in barbed wire. Any contact with barbed wire triggers explosives on the corresponding side. Which which is a weird thing to bring up, don't you think? No, nah, it's the op. Let's let's make it blow up the opposite side. Yeah, yeah that'll get it that'll on get a random them. side. <laughs> yeah. uh, there are three zones on the floor outside the ring that are referred to as triple L in quotation marks, which are all wired explosives. <laughs> the, the, the 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 triple hell oh, yeah. part <laughs> is def- that's a that's 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 not that's new for this match that's generally speaking beach in the annals of wrestling history an exploding barbed wire death match does not feature the triple hell yeah (laughs) oh i see the new it's the evolution of violence basically Uh, (laughs) Uh, this bout can be won by pinfall or submission anything goes and there is no okay this is the weird part anything goes and there is no time limit on the match if the contest should reach 30 minutes, <laughs> all explosives in and around the ring will detonate. But the match can keep going after yeah. that. If you can stand. Yes. Falls count anywhere? Uh, no. No. Okay. no. Only in the Still ring. Still in the ring. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because he said anything goes. And I was like, yes. is that... Anything goes, but pinfalls cannot go on the outside. I see. Well, you don't want to get caught in the triple hell. Yeah. No. No. Do you know where the barbed wire death match first took place i want to say in a punji pit <laughs> some sort of other racist prison thing was it uh, no it was originally started in uh, 1989 in japan mm-hmm. ah yeah uh the wrestler most associated with barbed wire death matches is atsushi onita who <laughs> who they I know had that name. Oh, you're familiar with him. I think I know this name. Yeah. Uh, who they actually got to do like part of the video package for this. Like he cut a promo as part of this being like, oh, so you're going to do the barbed wire death match. Are you? Oh, all right. Well, you better be prepared. You know, yeah. I, he cut the whole thing in Japanese and then they had to, they had to subtitle it. But yeah, he, uh, he's known for his, um, uh, is known for his participation in like, 
barbed wire death matches, no rope barbed wire death matches. Like this is they have they still have the ring ropes, but the ropes are wrapped in barbed wire. But sometimes you'll just replace the ropes with barbed wire. I got to add that now I'm really zeroing in on who AEW's audience is. It's people who bother to read subtitles. (laughs) (laughs) This is a whole new era of weeaboo. That is like loves New Japan yeah. and loves Japanese culture. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this guy in his native language and I will read the subtitles. Yeah. yeah. That tells me Jesus. so much about who they yeah. think their audience is. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. That's really funny. So, yeah. Like it. So, yeah, like three sides of the ring. So, again, the way that it's set up is like the camera is facing the big screen with the entrance ramps and everything mm-hmm. and the ropes on that side are not wrapped in barbed wire because that's the only way that you get in and out of the ring yeah right and then the other three sides are all wrapped in barbed wire and if you bump into those if you go off those ropes then these explosions go off and then outside the ring is these like plywood sections with just like big wraps of barbed wire around them uh, that also have explosives underneath if you land on them. And in the two upstage corners of the ring are also tables standing up in the corners, leaning against the turnbuckles that also have barbed wire on the tables. Right. Like it's the, the referee is like wearing a like Tyvek suit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His little face mask and stuff. That's yeah. great. It's it's. Do you ridiculous? Like considering how how many precautions they probably took for this match, could you imagine how fucking unsafe a barbed wire death match in Japan in 1989 was? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you ever think about like there's no way somebody was like, don't you think this might kill somebody? And they're like, nah, it's fine. They'll be okay. They're they're wrestling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Sorry, I was just reading Onita's Wikipedia page. Uh-huh. He headlined the Fall Spectacular event in September 28th, 1997 against Wing Kanemura in a no-rope barbed wire electrified dynamite landmine time bomb death match. <laughs> yes! Hey, was this was Onita the guy that lost to the other dude who was dead? <laughs> Is that the same person? Lost to the dead guy? Uh, what there was a there was a japanese deathmatch wrestler that lost that won a match posthumously i can't remember who it was did you you never heard of this There's no like a, okay uh posthumous wrestling it's generally normally pronounced posthumous posthumous okay sorry yeah posthumous. that's okay i just okay. figured you i should tell you that now yeah. rather than everybody in the in the fucking comments saying no it's pronounced and then writing the same word and being like that's not helpful but thanks <laughs> okay yeah there was um uh hiromichi fuyuki i'm gonna I'm, bu- I'm butchering this um was a japanese professional wrestler uh known as kodo fuyuki is their ring name um they died yeah <laughs> they died <laughs> Oh, I he see. Was scheduled after to a face- ceremony yeah. after a ceremony in Kawasaki Stadium honoring Fuyuki, Hashimoto clutched an urn containing Fuyuki's ashes, and then he and Kanemura flung themselves into the barbed wire, giving Fuyuki the victory. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they 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 really they buck the wrestling trend of always go out on your back. Oh my god. But yeah, that's wild, right? Yeah. Amazing. I thought you'd both heard about this. That's weird no. enough that it would like transcend like 
But yeah. That's so great. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Man, yeah. wrestling's just the best. I need to... Uh, I, I'm going to... You can cut this next little bit if you want, but I need to get this out because mm-hmm. I need to talk about my own carny tricks. Because uh, <laughs> we used to, as a stunt, when SCT got... Uh, well, I mean, even before that, before my improv group... Um, as a stunt to attract people and to kind of show off what kind of badasses we were when we were in our previous improv group, we would do the mousetrap game, which is where you set about, um, we did about a hundred mousetraps on the floor mm-hmm. of a theater, uh, all set, all ready to go, like mm-hmm. all activated, uh, which took a long time to set up. So yeah. we had all of our friends and whatever, like setting up mousetraps for us throughout the show to have them ready to go when we needed them. You lay them all on the floor you put blindfolds on two of you and you, or maybe sometimes three of you and you do a scene together where you have to do a lot of physical moving around and walking on stuff. Take your shoes off, take your socks off. Um, and it's tense and it's terrifying in a way, but they're just mousetraps. Um, and the trick was, and not everyone learned this over, not, we never tell the audience this, but the trick was there are two springs on a mousetrap. There's two, there's two arms in a mousetrap that actually provide sprung, sprung force. And we found that if you just, unlatch one of the springs the mousetrap will still go off but will have less force Mm. so it won't break your foot it won't break your hand or like anything else like it's they're designed to break necks right like mouse necks so we would do that so that we could still trip the damn thing and it would hurt and it would make a hell of a noise but you weren't in any like terrible danger you were just in a little bit of danger uh and it's like a it's like the slapstick protocol for clowns and stuff right Mm -hmm. you get a thing that makes a lot of noise Mm -hmm. so this has to like when you talk about the ropes are wrapped in barbed wire and there's all these other places wrapped in barbed wire and we better make use of it all because it's Chekhov's barbed wire (laughs) there's to me it's like that barbed wire isn't as barbed as you think like it has to be like it has to be able to cut your skin but it's probably not like the kind of stuff that you're putting up to keep cattle inside uh, fences and stuff has to be, but I can't say one way or the other. That's so that's always been the assumption that I have made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, the thing is, I don't rightly know because they, they go into the barbed wire, they get cut. It grabs their shirt. Like you can see it pulling on their clothes. They both start this match wearing shirts for that reason, I think, because it looks more impressive because you can see the barbed wire grabbing on the shirts and then eventually the shirts get too cut up and you tear them off and everything. And then you start, you can see that you're bleeding. Like, I think that's just part of doing anything with barbed wire is it it looks more impressive if you start wearing a shirt. With wrestling, everything's visual, right? Like you need to have like a a visual representation of the pain they are going through because we can't feel it, right? Right. Yeah. Without like, like cutting them open, right? <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but 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 like but I don't know if this is untouched barbed wire yeah. or if they have done something to it, but like they get cut and it grabs the fabric and like oh, yeah, it, it's, ugh, it ugh. looks like it sucks ugh, ass. God, it ugh, it makes me see only, only other trick I can think of is you pop a couple of aspirin to thin your blood mm-hmm. and you just rub yourself down in topical anesthetic. So you can, you oil yourself up in like yeah. in lidocaine and you like, I hope that shit lasts for a half hour so I can not feel what's about to happen to me. Yeah. I don't know what they do, but John I mean, Moxley having... was actually drinking. Well, I mean, he wasn't, angry. we don't know if it was alcohol, but he had like a flask and he was doing shots before the match. Yeah. I mean, thinning your blood with like aspirin or something before a match where you know you're going to bleed is a wrestling thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to promote 
to promote bleeding, yeah. uh, which, and it, boy, it, that certainly seemed to have worked. Like at one point, Moxley, his, his face was just covered in blood. The yeah. old crimson mask, they like to call it. Mm-hmm. I like that there was, at one point, there was a chair and then a chair wrapped in barbed wire, just in <laughs> case you really needed to, I don't know, go go further for it, I guess. But I mean, so... Your your mileage, viewer at home, may vary wildly with how much you can handle this kind of match. This mm-hmm. is ultimately quite tame for this kind of match, mm-hmm. right? On the sliding scale of where you can end up when you're dealing with a barbed wire exploding death match, yeah. this was this was tame. You know, this is not combat zone wrestling. Yeah. This is not the sort of stuff that John Moxley did in his in his indie days. Yeah. It was still like Jesus Christ oh, in man. a few places. Every time they like ended up on the barbed wire and they pull away from it and it was like sticking to them. I'm like, oh god, I can't. Oh god, stop. Yeah, <laughs> stop. Both of you, stop right now. <laughs> but I mean, you got like Moxley walking around with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire in one hand and a kendo stick in the other, like swinging them around like lightsabers. It's just like, <laughs> man, this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was a bunch of cool stuff like early in the match where they were, you know, like avoiding hitting the ropes, yeah, that, you know, great. like they'd yeah. like throw each other and then like duck or stop themselves from going and like so that they wouldn't bounce off the ropes, you know, like really, really doing a really good job of pacing the match for like teasing when the things are going to happen. Like, here's the thing. Overall, this match was actually awesome. It was and great. It's a I love this match real bummer how oh i love the ending to you though <laughs> how it ended. so like okay but like so like they're throwing each other into barbed wire and they're bleeding and they're going off and then um kenny omega is like kenny omega's storyline is that kenny omega cheated to beat john moxley for the AEW title right yeah mm. and so kenny omega has aligned himself with don Callis, who is um one of the uh, I don't know if he's a booker or he's in charge or he helps run uh, Impact Wrestling. Um, so they're trying to do like a crossover promotion because mm-hmm. I, I know as of time of recording, um, it is announced that at TNA's next or Impact Wrestling's next pay per view, uh, Kenny Omega and Rich Swan, who is the champion, will be fighting each other for title for title, which I'm assuming Kenny Omega is winning, right? Right, probably. Because it doesn't make much sense from a storytelling perspective where AEW is like the big brother, right? Like their champion is going to come. And they're, the way they're telling this Kenny Omega story, it's like someone who absolute power corrupts absolutely kind of thing, right? I think that's what they're kind of going for. Because like Kenny Omega has teamed up again with uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, who are part of the Impact Tag Team World Champions. And uh, I think the Young Bucks are on board too for this like this I guess their group, the elite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of um, Kenny Omega doing whatever it takes to be, because we've spent all this time, like the build to this storyline too, was like all of us saying like, well, Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world, but he can't seem to win the big one. It's kind of like the story we told with the Young Bucks, right? Where it's like, they are the best team in the world, but they can't seem to win the big one, which was Kenny Omega's thing too. Mm-hmm. And then he had to cheat to win the big one. So it's like Kenny Omega, the best wrestler in the world, the best bout machine, they call him, um, had to cheat to beat John Moxley. And now Kenny has adopted the typical kind of wrestling heel persona where he starts wearing nice clothes and I'm better than you. I don't have time for this. They actually made a 
at a point of in the opening promo for this match they showed kenny omega working in like a like an industrial art shop on the ring like with a bandsaw it's or something so yeah, silly it's so silly but it was just him like wailing on the mission on like the ant he's building something on yeah. an anvil because yeah, yeah okay. the whole thing was that it's like no no kenny omega and don Callis are going to build all of this we're yeah. going to you know, Moxie's got to show up and deal with whatever we build in this ring. Yeah. And so, yeah, they've got this countdown, right? And the so eventually the the Good Brothers, who are Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, show up and they interfere in this match. Kenny Omega hits John Moxley with like a bat rob, bar, or wrapped in barbed wire, but the bat explodes. <laughs> it's very impressive. Yeah, looking. it's very impressive. I don't know how they did it, but. The Good Brothers, by the way, are signed to Impact. Yeah. So they're like they're part of this sort of talent share. Yeah. And uh, Kenny Omega hits John Moxley with a bat that explodes, and then gives him a. Oh, actually, before this though, Kenny hits the One Wing Angel, which is Kenny's finisher move. Mm-hmm. And it's like he Kenny Omega puts the other person on top of his shoulders, right? Like seated, like a right. like a chicken fight, you know? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then like grabs their head and like up above his own head and then like tucks it down and does like a kind of like a, it's like a little pile, like a package pile driver kind of thing. Like, but they okay. always sell the one wing angel is like, no one's ever really, no one's, I think only one person is ever kicked out of this move ever. Correct. Ever. Yeah. So right. they've like, it's very, what they call protected. Uh, the only person who has kicked out of the one winged angel is Kota Ibushi. Kenny's husbando from the golden lovers. Yes. So one person has kicked out of it ever once. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, they make a big deal about that. Yeah, because like at one point, Kenny hits the one-winged angel on John Moxley, but John Moxley, uh, they do it near one of the sets of ropes. So John Moxley like kicks his leg over, and like normally it would be a rope break, but since John Moxley kicked his leg over, he hit the ropes, triggering the explosion. So that's how he got out of the. That's how he kicked out of the one-winged angel, which was I thought was brilliant. I was like, that's such, that's so good. Right. The only way to kick out of this move was kicking a thing that exploded. <laughs> right. right. Like it just That's adds good. to the mystique of the maneuver. Yeah. Like I'm glad they don't do this with everybody. Like I don't want everybody's finisher to be like the touch of death. Right. Right. But I like it when they do stuff like this every once in a while. That's it's a like, lot of really good chivalry too. to basically be like, we, w- we accept the fact that if you pull this out, we know that you're going to do this, that we yeah. know that's the end of the fight. Yeah. So only use it when you feel that you need to, that when, when we know that the, the fight needs to end. Yes. So, yeah. And then uh, the good brothers come out, Kenny hits him with an exploding bat and then hits the one, another one wing angel on top of a chair and then pins John Moxley. I was like, how are they going to protect the one winged angel and have Moxley kick out of it, hitting it on a chair? Yeah. And it's, no, they didn't. It's just they protected it by he wins the match. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> right. All right. Um, but again, still through cheating because it's like the Gallows and Anderson came out to help him and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers get out of there. Well, Don Callis runs into the ring. He's like, you got to get yeah. out the timer because the time there's a timer <laughs> in the background, right? There's a clock ticking down for the ring to explode. This is starting to sound a lot more like the original match that has the time bombs and everything else. Yeah. yeah. So the timer ticks down. They clear out. They run away. They run away down the bad guy ramp. Mm-hmm. Coming out the good guy ramp is some is a couple folks from backstage. One of whom is Eddie Kingston. Yeah, who 
has been a friend of Moxley's in the past, but is like sort of a heel now, we think, you know, again, I'm not sure on a lot of the storyline stuff. And he's like talking to the other people being like, we got to get him out of there. And they're like, oh, I'm not going in there. Are you crazy? And they run away. And he's like, I'm, I'm going in. And he dives in the ring and is trying to haul Moxley out of there. But Moxley's enormous and heavy and is handcuffed and can't move. And mm-hmm. so eventually Kingston, you know, like the timer counts down to zero. Kingston dives over him and covers his friend because they ultimately are friends. And so he covers his friend to protect him from the explosion as all the explosives go off. That's what we've been told is going to happen. Yes. And what happens is (laughs) some like shitty sparklers in the corners of the ring and like a big sort of puff of smoke sort of goes like, yeah, like the sparklers (laughs) from like, Gilbert's yeah, entrance. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of. Just like the. Bleh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, haha, it's a joke. I get it. it. It wasn't actually. He was in no real danger. But then Kingston and Moxley, who couldn't have seen what just happened, were acting jubilant. Like, no, they were acting like they'd been. Like, like it was an explosion. Kingston's acting like he's unconscious. Yeah. Oh. And it's like, oh no, yeah. something fucked up. Yeah. Oh. oh no. I think something just didn't fire, right? That yeah. was supposed to fire and it's just it's explosive, so it's probably finicky, right? Like I don't right. blame them. I don't knock this ending at all. It sucks that it turned out the way it did. But man, I just feel bad for everybody involved, really. I was like, man, that sucks, you know? And, and what an audible to call at that moment to be like, you, you, maybe you didn't hear the thing happen, but you're like, I gotta, do gotta we sell play it, it straight? Yeah, 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 you gotta do sell, you it. sell it. You gotta or sell do you, it. Do you, do you, do you pick it up and be like, okay, we don't sell it. We act like, oh, it was all a thing. We got fooled or something like that. Yeah, I think you like, gotta sell I, it. I think in that position. I think if they'd been able to figure it out, if they'd known how crappy it looked, I think it would have been better for them to be like, wait a minute, that was stupid, but they didn't. And so they, you know, they had like medical professionals run out there and like Kingston's pretending to be unconscious and they had like doctors dealing with everything. And it's like, oh my God. And the commentary team is like, you know, like, oh no, we'll have to see if they're okay. And everyone's like, what, from what? Like from, because they're going to be, too excited from the sparklers like what what <laughs> danger were they somebody's in? birthday like what yeah exactly yeah. so two things i want to talk about one thing is you know everyone really fixates on like the only thing people remember is the ending and it's like well okay let's this whole pay-per-view was very entertaining yeah this match was very entertaining yes and that sucked and that really t- sucked the air out of the thing yeah the recovery beautiful so the first thing they did is after the cameras went off for the pay-per-view, Moxley cut a promo in the ring. And he was basically like, well, Omega can't build an exploding ring for shit. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? Yeah. Right. Basically just talking about how it was, you know, it was stupid and bad. And they, they released that video on their social media, right? They're like Moxley re- responds to whatever. And that helped. And then on the Dynamite the following Wednesday, there was a promo with Moxley and Kingston. And man, Eddie Kingston. Have you seen this promo, Adam? Not yet, no. Eddie Kingston could sell water to a fish. Yes. This guy is so fucking good (laughs) on the microphone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he's just, he's like, 
He's like, you want to know why I reacted like that? Look, because in that moment, I'm out there with my friend. We think things are going to explode. And I felt the same anxiety that I felt when, you know, he, he like relates it to like anxiety that he felt when he was in his troubled youth and he thought he was going to be sent to prison and he was being uh, discriminated against. And, and he's like, look, that's it. That's the story. You want to make fun of me? Fine. I'm not talking to you. I'm, you know, like whatever I'm talking to these other people. That's, that's the story. Come at me if you need to, whatever. Fuck you. That's what happened. Go ahead and make fun of it. Call me a coward, less of a man. I'm not speaking for you and I'm not speaking to you. And it's just like, I believe everything you're telling me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love your funny words, magic man. <laughs> like I, I was just, I was like, great. They did. Okay. Awesome. And then as part of that promo, <laughs> he, uh, it's him and Moxley talking about impact paid for the bomb. <laughs> nice oh my god that's great so they're just making fun of impact wrestling even more yeah oh that's good i'll have to watch it i'll have to watch this episode of dynamite yeah the that promo really saved this whole thing i think yeah that sucks man i just felt bad for him i thought it was really funny i just love like the build-up was great too because they're just doing a countdown i was like wow there's (laughs) this this ring's gonna explode man this is wrestling by the way yeah yeah, it was sick. I loved it. I don't know. I thought it was really good. Wrestling's cool, man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this was this was a this was a fun evening of wrestling for yeah, sure. I dug it. I do minor complaint about Bleacher Report when I was watching it. Um, because you uh, uh, you can buy it and watch it live, but um, I had to. This took like fifteen minutes of swearing, and before I found the FAQ answer for like what was happening, which is that on iOS, if you hit watch from the beginning it only banks two hours because i started like more than two hours into the show like when i started watching it it was still live but i wanted to watch from the beginning but i couldn't watch from the beginning i kept clicking watch from beginning and it kept putting me like in the middle of the of the like brass ring match and i was like what is happening why does it keep doing this because i didn't want to get spoiled so i wanted to watch but i had to wait until the show was over and then the replay had gone up and then I could watch it from the beginning the next day. It was very irritating. Hmm. <laughs> that was my only complaint. Yeah. <laughs> Technical problems. God, I'm just watching the explosion happen again. It sucks so bad. So, oh. Yeah, I feel bad. <laughs> I feel so bad. Oh, man. They just had to lay there like, oh, man. Yeah. I wonder what it was supposed to look like, you know? I assume just bigger and something worthy of actually selling like Eddie Kingston that got the wind knocked out of him. But yeah. I don't know. anyway, that's it. That's the show. Um, I don't know when we're going to be back next We We still have to figure out if we're going to do what all we're going to do for mania, which is, you know, two nights of wackiness takeover. The NXT show is two nights too. Oh my God. Yeah, why? I know. I know. I don't know why don't they know. do this to us, but but uh, but for now, for this episode, that is going to do it. So thanks, everybody, for joining us for this surprise bonus episode of Sidewalk Slam as we discuss the AEW revolution. Until next time, I am on Twitter at Graham underscore LRR. At me if you need to. And you can at me at Wake Up Super. And you can find Beach at... <sighs> At Beach at Octagon.social. At Beach at Octagon... Octa, octa, you can find wow, he's, on his he's weird... really leaving you out to dry yeah. on this one. <laughs> you can find Beach on his weird fucking site for hipsters. <laughs> there, I said it. <laughs>
Makes it so much easier for uh, for for people to not talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> if I make it hard enough, no one will ever talk to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and everything we do is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Loading Ready Run. That is going to do it. Thanks everybody for listening. Bye. Bye.